our lives boil down to a series of choices, with each choice taking us further down the path we are on, either towards heaven or towards hell. Hi, I'm Femi Asabin, a preacher for the Church of Christ. Thank you for tuning into today's sermon, Choices Along the Path, taken from Matthew 7, 13 through 27. This sermon looks at Jesus' conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount and capstones it explaining that Jesus' sermon was designed to aid the listener in making the right choices that will lead to the straight and narrow path which would lead them to heaven. My prayer is that this sermon helps us build our house on solid rock and make choices aligned with God's will despite what we're going through in this life. When you boil life down, you either have the right or the wrong way. It's a matter of choices. And your options really are one or the other. It's black or white, but we like to put a lot of shades of gray, which confuses the matter. The difficult part about making the right choice, though, is that With all of these shades of gray that are not the right choice, but look like it, you actually are susceptible to choose the wrong, thinking that it's right. Because the wrong choice doesn't always just stick out and jump out to you. So we think about some of what Jesus has been saying to us in the Sermon on the Mount. It looks like the right choice not to kill your brother in anger and to restrain yourself and not to fight, not to even mumble a harsh word to them. But what if I think it in my head and nobody knows? You see, we have taught people that don't say everything that you think. And that's the right thing. But it's actually wrong because what Jesus says is if you think it in your heart, then you have done it already. So these shades of gray between what's right and what's wrong actually show the variations of what's wrong, making it harder from an unformed, unspiritual perspective to make the correct choice. And we have come down to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has given his treaties on how we are to be as people who are following him. And he was primarily talking to his disciples. But because the crowds were around, they got to listen to this information and they got insight onto what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven on what it looks like to always make the right choice. To look for an eternal salvation instead of a present comfortability. To earnestly pray to God in private 
not worrying about if anybody else sees, but knowing and trusting that God, your Savior, hears you and is going to reward you. He's going to accommodate you according to his will. And then how to pray, seeking God's kingdom to come, but also that you are in line with his will so that you don't go about trying to promote your own desires. Learning how to see not just situations, but people correctly so that you can discern between what's right and what's wrong. And as Jesus concludes this sermon, which we have extended over many weeks, but I'm pretty sure which he concluded in an afternoon. He says, starting at verse 13 of chapter 7. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it, for the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evil doers. Everyone then who hears the words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who builds his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears the words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its Jesus, in the conclusion of his sermon, sets a path before the listeners of the right path to take and the wrong path that many people will actually follow. And listen to the similarities in each of these examples that he gives. Both paths have a gate. There are two paths. Prophets. One will be false, but yet will still be a prophet. And you'll have to determine it by the tree, the fruit that it bears. But yet they both bear fruit from a tree. 
Those who come and do works in the name of the Lord will differentiate them that do works in the name of the Lord who will not be condemned. It's not the fact that they're invoking God's name, Jesus' name. It's the obedience to his will. And everybody is building a house. You see, in none of these examples Jesus used as he says, the one person builds his house and the other doesn't build his house. The prophet is wise and he speaks for me and the fool doesn't speak for me. One person is walking down a path while another person is sitting on a rock. The wolf and the sheep. No, the wolf in sheep's clothing. These things are all similar in appearance. And it takes a discerning spiritual eye to recognize the difference. But if that difference is not recognized, one will be deceived and going down the wrong path. Now let's start where he starts here. As Jesus talks about how to actually make choices, he tells them, enter through the narrow gate because there is another gate that is wide. But the narrow gate is actually going to be the gate that you have to seek and find. And this is the gate that on the road it is difficult, but where it actually leads is to where you want to be. But you have to choose that gate. Because there's another gate which many will go through, which many will choose, which is easy, which is wide, which leads to destruction. And as we think about this, it's only two choices, the narrow gate or the wide gate. And we live in a world that presents a multitude of options. But what Jesus tells us is there's only two choices, what's right and what's wrong. You see, in this this world that we have made for ourselves to where there's options available, it almost smack dab defies what Jesus says is that it's only two options. Because we like choices. So we like to Say, I want ice cream with sprinkles or I want ice cream with fudge. I want ice cream with nuts. And what Jesus says is you either have an ice cream or you're not having ice cream. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's only two choices. And so what we have to understand and wrap our mind around is that if I'm going to choose, I have to know what I'm choosing. Because if I do not choose the narrow the hard path, I'm actually choosing the easy road, broad way that's going to lead to destruction. And what is interesting is what Jesus does is he invites us on this path. He invites us to seek a life with him because we'll just naturally find a wide gate. 
we'll naturally enter through it. It's, it's almost interesting as you, you think about your life. When you did wrong, it didn't take a lot of searching out to do. You just did what you wanted to do naturally. Even in your adolescent years, you just naturally did what you wanted to do. And a lot of times in growing up, your parents gave you one choice. Do this and don't do that. But when they say don't do that, that was wide. That don't encapsulated a whole lot of things. And the do encapsulated one thing. So you tell your child to clean their room. That doesn't mean go out and play. That doesn't mean clean the bathroom. That doesn't mean wash the dishes. That means you go to your room and you clean your room. Only one option. Don't go in and read. Don't go do your homework. Don't go to sleep. (laughs) All of these other possibilities that appear right, but are actually wrong. It's the same thing with following Christ. It's one path that one must seek to find and is invited to journey along that difficult path to eternal life by Jesus Christ. Because everybody else is walking this other path that's broad, that has variety of directions and ways to go, and that if I mess up in this lane, then I could switch to another, and it would appear that I'm making a different choice, and I'm on a different road, when in reality, it's all the same road. It's just broad. It's just big. And one considers the religious context that we live in right now. And people profess those of the church of Christ to be arrogant because we say Jesus only left one church. And they say, there's all these options to God. There's all of these ways that we can follow God. It's if I just, in my heart, believe it. If, I, if I, I see some similitude of what scripture says, but it makes much more sense to me like this. And this is what my mother did. This is what the Pope says. This is what this person says. This is what these people are doing. And it all looks right, but it's all wrong. Because it's not the narrow way that Jesus prescribed. And what happens is when we get on that broad, easy path, it just leads further and further towards destruction. Look at the progression of the destruction that Jesus talks about on this broad path. When he starts talking about it, when you enter into the easy road that leads to destruction, that's where it's headed. But then he gets to talking about these false prophets and these false prophets, they're trees that are bearing bad fruit and then they'll get cut down. And if they're bearing bad fruit and they get cut down, even if they do works in the name of the Lord and they cast out demons and they prophesy and they do mighty powerful things in Jesus name, what will happen is they will be disowned. And their house will fall with a mighty crash. It all leads to a progression of destruction that eventually 
is their downfall. On this wide, easy road, on these ways that appear to look right, but it's not. And so one must make the choice to seek the narrow gate and journey down the difficult road that eventually leads to life. Life eternal with Jesus Christ. And as we do that, as we do that, we must understand that we're going to encounter others who appear to be on this road, as Jesus calls them, false prophets. And what they will actually be doing is what looks right. They will actually have the appearance of sheep. The one the shepherd has come to save. They'll have a message that they say is from God. That they say is leading one down the same road that those who choose to seek Jesus have led themselves or are following Christ down. And the way that Jesus tells us we can know if they're wolves or sheep is to look at their fruit. Because all prophets, dare I say, all people bear some type of fruit. The result of their actions, is it good or is it bad? That's something that we really don't like to talk about. Because sometimes it could could lead itself to a conversation of you're judging somebody, you're condemning somebody. No, what you're actually doing is discerning that person and what is really on the inside of them and not taking it for face value who they present themselves to be because there are people who are going to present themselves as sheep, but they're really wolves. And we know that they're wolves because all of their actions have led to bad results. I'm not saying that they make mistakes. I'm saying that the intentions of their actions are actually evil. They bear bad fruit. And what does Jesus say? A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. So if we're looking at the result at people's lives and the things that are produced from the relationships that they have, that the energies that they put in this world, that the efforts that they are putting forth, and it's negative, it's ungodly, it's not what Christ would have us to have. No matter what they look like, they're wolves. And we shouldn't be deceived. Because that's what Jesus says. A good tree does not bear bad fruit. And a bad tree doesn't bear good fruit. And as we have entered into this narrow gate that we had to seek to find that is difficult to journey on, we must know that even through the difficulties of traversing that hard, narrow plane, our efforts are going to be good. It's going to show godliness. It's going to demonstrate the spirit of God working through us and produce good fruit.
it's a good way we can look at ourselves as well. Or the result of what I'm doing, godly or not. Because sometimes we, we need to look at the impact that we're having. The relationships that I have with people, is it actually leading to the glorification of my Savior? Or bringing about my own personal wills and desires, as they would say today, building my brand. Because if it's not producing godly fruit, it's producing bad fruit. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Because it's only two roads. Christ's way or the highway. And then as we think about the fruit that we're producing, it causes us to naturally think about when we stand in front of Jesus being judged. Because what he presents here is a situation that people would naturally say, if I did good works in the name of Jesus, then I must have done what Jesus wanted. But listen to what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father in heaven. Fair enough, right? Not everyone who says. Okay. So we're not just talking about talk. There has to be some action behind it, Jesus. Yeah, I understand that. You have to do the will of his father. You must do what Jesus left behind, instructed in this sermon. And that is what's going to determine if you have made him your Lord. But then he takes it a step further. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? Wait a sec. It was not just talk. There was actually some godly results from what they did. And Jesus said, that is not what's going to determine if you enter the kingdom of heaven. Because it's not just about the works we do in the name of God. Because as he talked about earlier in the sermon, there are those who go out and they give alms so that they could be seen in the name of God. They give these long flowerly prayers in the name of God on the corners of the streets and they have their reward. But they will profess that they did it in the name of God. And I'm pretty sure they'll go to judgment thinking they're justified because they did a pious act with the wrong motive. So we must also recognize that it's not just the act we do, but the obedience that's connected to that act. Not just because I prophesied in the name of the Lord. Not just because I cast out demons or did mighty works in the name of the Lord. But I was obedient. See, that's the difficult part. If you think about it. 
if we have the ability to prophesy, if we have the ability to cast out demons, if we have the ability to do mighty works in the name of God, who would we really be bringing glory and honor to? Ourselves. Think of the seven sons of Sceva. They tried to cast out demons in the name of the Lord that Paul called. <laughs> Why? Because they wanted some of the prestige that Paul had. And it turned around and bit them. They got beat up and chased out the house naked. Because they were trying to do something in the name of the Lord that they didn't understand because they were not living a life that was in accord with godliness. So we must not get caught up with the ability to do things in the name of the Lord. And while I still think that this day and age we could do mighty things through faith in the name of the Lord, we have lost some of that because our lack of faith. But one thing that we in society, this society are very familiar with is a lot of people give out material assistance in the name of the Lord. Be it monies, clothes, food, some act of kindness in the name of the Lord. And they really think that that is going to garner some type of favor before Christ on judgment because they did it in the name of the Lord. But what Jesus says is that means nothing if you were not obedient, obedient to my will. Meaning you must be added to the church the way in which the Bible describes. You must live your life in faith the way in which the Bible describes. You must be willing to die to yourself to live for Christ the way in which the Bible prescribes so that you can be justified by Christ on a day of judgment and not by yourself. Because we're all building a house on some type of foundation. And just because we build a house doesn't mean we're going to evade the troubles that come. And we stay in a region that we're very familiar with storms. And we're very familiar with the shelter that a stable house provides in the midst of those storms. But such wasn't always the case. In this Palestinian context, these Jews that Jesus was speaking to knew that if you did not build your house on solid ground, what would happen is that house would collapse and would cause calamity. And if you're in that house, when that house collapsed, you could also suffer some of that calamity physically. And you just think about that. We are all building a house. And that house is built on some type of foundation. And as Jesus has pointed out, that foundation is either spiritualness rooted in Christ or worldliness rooted in evil. 
And that worldliness looks all different kind of ways. It could be I'm a family man. It could be I'm a career person. It could be I'm I'm a philanthropist. I, I'm for the community. It could be all type of things that you built that house on that's not God. And it's sand. And what's going to happen is the storms are going to come. And what's going to determine if that house stands when those storms hit is not how good you built that house. Not how pretty you made it. Not how big it is, but what it's actually built on. Because if it's not Christ, it's going to fall. So as Jesus concludes this Sermon on the Mount, what he has left us with is something to ponder. Which road am I traveling on? Do I find that my life is easy? And if it's easy, is it because I'm blessed or because I have chosen this broad path that I have deceived myself with in telling myself that it's right? Because there's some semblance of godliness, but it's not the actual thing. And it's easy because it meets me where I'm comfortable at. It doesn't call me to that depth of Christianity to where I had to seek to find what Jesus was actually inviting me to. I actually entered something that I really wanted. And I told myself that this was right because it aligned with my beliefs. And I didn't challenge my beliefs to see if they aligned with God's. And am I continuing down that path? And do I find that I'm on this path and there's a multitude of people who are on this path that have various ways of thinking that we all accept each other because we do not want to call an ace of spade an ace of spade. We do not want to call each other to the carpet or hold each other to a Christian standard because hey, everybody's right. And if I call you out, then you can call me out. Or if I judge myself, measure myself up against you, then I'm not that bad. But you're not that bad because you're my peer and I like you and I love you and we have some affinity for each other. So we're just going to continue down this path because it's fun, it's easy, and it's beneficial for both of us. Or... Have we started walking down this path towards life, which we're constantly challenged with, not because we're trying to find ourselves in this earth, but because we're trying to find ourselves in God's kingdom in each step of the way we recognize that there's something that we have to work on. There's something that we are falling short on that's calling us to rely on the strength of God and that's calling us to change who we are so that we can reflect Christ each and every step of the way that's uncomfortable at times, but we know is better for us. Which path are we walking? It also causes us to consider 
what are we leaving behind? The fruit that we're bearing. Is this some nasty fruit that nobody wants to eat? Or is it a desirable, good fruit that we're, where everybody recognizes that this, this is a good person who does good deeds for the right reason? It almost makes you consider what will be written about you on your eulogy. Will people write a eulogy for you? Will your funeral be attended by people who are impacted by the life that you've led, who have benefited from the fruit that you left behind and have tasted it and they saw that it was filled with the spirit and they longed to live a life reflecting the one that you live, which reflected Christ? Or will you pass away and nobody will care? Or even sadder, everybody will be happy that you're gone because you left behind rotten fruit. You left behind an example of what not to be. And while you professed to be this godly person, you were actually a devil. Or as what Jesus says, you proclaimed to present a prophet. You spoke in ways that appeared to be godly, but yet you were a wolf. And nobody knew that except for those who are real close to you because you kept the facade on and you hood real well and you never let your guard down. You see, we, we have to pay attention to the fruit that we're leaving behind because it's going to be either good or it's going to be bad. It's one or the other. It's not a variation of both. It's no shades of gray. It's either or. Because we do not want to get before Christ and think that we did a whole lot of things in the name of Christ. And then he says, depart from me, I never knew you. You see, that will be determined not by what we profess to do in the name of Christ, but because of the way we live, because who we were in Christ. Were we obedient in our actions? Did we mold our mind? Did we force our will to be followed, molded into the will of Christ? Forsaking this life, to find the life eternal. And we're obedient to the measure that Jesus was to where we gave up our life and was willing to suffer so that we could be found pleasing God. Not just in the things that will bring us glory and honor, 
Not just when people were looking, not just when it was easy, but when it really mattered, those times when I had to look inside myself in the mirror and say, this is not who God is calling me to be. I must change. Because it's easy to go out and do things to where people give you prestige. And you say, oh, I did this in the name of Christ, but you really did it so you can have some glory. But it's hard to take this message, take this sermon on the mount and just live it out. Not changing anything, but living it out so that you can be conformed to the image of the very God who conformed himself to the image of man so that he could bring man back to him. That was a great sacrifice for Jesus to make. And all he's asking in return is those who understand that to make the same the same sacrifice to a degree so that they could be with him eternally. Not just when it brings us glory and honor, not just when it's easy, not even when it's something we want, but in all aspects of our lives. And what's going to determine that is the foundation that we build our house on. It's easy. It's easy to say that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Especially when the storms haven't hit. Especially when the sun is out. And everybody else is saying the same thing. But it's difficult to actually maintain that same fervor when the climate changes. When there's nobody with you. When life storms have come and beat upon you. When the devil is tempting you. When, when your own desires are calling you to something other than what Jesus has told us is right and you have all of these factors trying to beat in on you to make your house collapse. It's difficult to maintain your Christianity, but if it's built on the rock, it will stand. Your faith will hold you secure. You will endure. Because you took the necessary precautions. You molded yourself by traveling down that less traveled path, that narrow, hard road. And you, you forced yourself to be who God wanted you to be. And nothing can shake you. Because life is going to happen to us all. We can't evade it. And if we do not make our foundation Jesus Christ, we're going to get shook. I'm not condemning nobody, but we have reached an interesting point in history. People close their doors because of a virus. I remember we was talking in 
our Tuesday night class. And you guys, you know, you're older than me, so you've been around this world a little bit longer. You've experienced things, maybe not to this nature, but were similar. There was polio. There was whooping cough. There was the Spanish flu. There were all of these other diseases, and nobody thought to stop coming to church because their foundation was secured. And they said that if God sees fit for me to catch a disease, he sees fit to be with me through it. And I'm not going to let the possibility of a worldly event cause me to stop demonstrating faith in Christ. Because that's my foundation. There's other things that people build their foundations on. It could be political causes. It could be social movements. It could be career. It could be family. And at some point, the storms are going to hit and that is not going to be able to withstand the storm. And the ultimate storm is death. We all have to face it. And if our foundation is not Christ, we have nothing to stand on when we meet him in judgment. And that's going to be very difficult for a lot of people who profess to be Christians. Who will say, I loved you, Lord, but, and you can place anything after that but. We don't ever want to hear, depart from me, I never knew you. Because we know the choices we have to make. It's only one. Choose Christ. And take everything that comes with it. At one point he tells the disciples. He who leaves his mother, his father, his spouse, his children. Whatever he leaves in this life he'll gain a hundredfold in the next. But that's hard. Because we're connected to things in this life. One of the disciples said, Jesus, I'll follow you. But first, let me bury my father. And Jesus doesn't say, okay, go bury your father. Even understanding that the burial process during that time was a week-long memorial celebration of life. And they had all these rituals that they went through. No. He says, let the dead bury the dead. It's difficult to hear. But what God is calling us is to such a level of commitment to him through his son, Jesus Christ, that we are willing to denounce everything that keeps us attached to this life in this earth because we recognize that that leads us away from God. And that actually leads us to destruction. And that if we understand appropriately who God is calling us to be, we have seen demonstrated in the Sermon on the Mount that we will not only make the kingdom of heaven our home, we'll be better for everybody in this world. 
So we'll learn to love our enemies. We'll learn to forgive people who have offended us. We'll learn to demonstrate the same love that God has for us to the very ones that we love. Why? Because we're doing it as Jesus told us to. And that will enhance everybody we come into contact with. But if we can't learn to do that, we're actually going to give bad fruit, lead people down the broad path, help establish foundations of sand, and be false prophets to those whom we encounter. Let's make every effort to make the rock our foundation. Let's pour forth every ounce of energy into being obedient so that it couples with the work that we do in the name of the Lord. Let us produce good fruit and earnestly, eagerly seek the path that Christ trod, no matter how hard it gets. Because we'll find on the other side of it life. That's my hope and that's my prayer for each and every person in this room. And I, I, I earnestly desire that God brings us to where he would have us to be. Because I know that's what we really want. And at times it gets hard. And at times it gets difficult. But I think those challenges just let us know that we're on the right path. So when life gets tough, stand firm on the foundation, which is Christ, your hope of salvation. And the storms won't beat you down. You might get a little wet. You might shake a little. But you'll still be standing. And on the day of judgment, Jesus will say, well done, my faithful servant. Let's do all we can to help each other make it to heaven. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son, Jesus, to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.